neighbor, just greet each other today. Say hello.
Good morning. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning. There you go. Uh, my name is Scott. You'll be hearing a little bit more, I guess, about the things that I'm involved with and how I ended up here uh, here in a minute. But uh, I'm going to uh, minister a spoken word poem for you guys uh, over these next couple of minutes. And I'm really excited that Skylar's going to be accompanying me on that. Uh, but what I want to say before we dive in is that feel free to respond outwardly. Um, so we do this thing in Philadelphia called bars. Uh, it's really kind of ridiculous, but you can actually say out loud bars if you hear something that you like, that you thought was clever, or if it spoke to your heart, uh, if it encouraged you. It's like, the, it's like the spoken word amen. Does that make sense? Uh, do you guys say amen while the preacher's preaching sometimes? Not when Ken's preaching, just when other people are? <laughs> On blast. I'm going to get you. Uh, but yeah, if you want to respond, you can say that. You can say amen. If you hear something, it, it really encourages me and keeps the energy up uh, throughout the whole piece. Cool? Thanks for having me. In the beginning, God created everything perfect. And it was all worth it for it all had a purpose. And that purpose was worship. Man and woman crafted in his image served as the pinnacle of everything made visible. And shalom filled this world's very existence. And there was no resistance, no distance between God, humanity, and the rest of his creation. It was all created lavishly to glorify the God who graciously granted the ground they walked on as gravity. Life was beautiful. And things like dominion, stewardship, love, work, marriage, and music were meant to be used to worship this God who infused them to do it. And not only that, but this triune God was present. And his presence is the essence of what it meant to be alive. And Adam and Eve, they walked and talked with him directly, like literally eye to eye. But a serpent was lurking determined in his purpose, working to wage war against God, incapable of defeating the Alpha and Omega straight up. He chose to cheat. Deceit is his name, so he decided to entice man to conceit. This slithering snake deceived Adam and Eve, and they believed a lie, and they received fruit from a tree that they were never intended to eat. And in an instant came guilt, blame-shifting pride, and shame. Shalom cracking like a bell under the guise of liberty and independence came suffering and slavery paradise lost no one is free cost so high these citizens were forced to leave the land that was given for them to receive and purpose filled became nothing more than a dream dominion was downgraded stewardship sold into selfishness love was lost work became a thirst for more music cast down from celebration to pain and marriage even became a swirling sequence of insecurity and shame. Shalom was separated by sin. But even in the midst of this separation because of sin, without hesitation, because of the love in him, God made a glorious proclamation for salvation, reconciliation, and restoration. 
doing what only he could do, a price so high only God could pay, redemption's cost would lead himself to cross to the grave. A story so epic, it makes Iliad and Odyssey look like an Aesop's fable, climaxing by God, using the very same vessel to purchase freedom that brought on the initial disaster. A story so wrapped up in him, it's only right to call it history. God made history, and who knew the past could be covered by a present gift? For unto us a child has been born, unto us a son has been given. A child would be born, born from the seed of Eve and the promise of Abraham through the lineage of David. A son sent by God at just the right time, in just the right place, born into a world that was cursed, but without one he'd willingly become one for us. blemish he would walk in the fullness of God's presence because he would be of God's very essence he'd be tempted but would reject it and instead preach repentance and offer freedom to the demented he would heal the infected be hope to the dejected call the neglected gather the neglected pardon the suspected guide the misdirected defend the unprotected the Godhead he represented did I mention he did the unexpected see he consented to be suspended to death and in doing so suspended death redemption payment redemption payment paid in full perfection purchased by the son entering a tomb see Jesus did what neither you nor I could ever do because Satan through death Satan through sin brought death to life, but the son through his death brought the dead to life. And they said resurrection was impossible, but he got up and it was finished. And on that Sunday, angels gave witness. Why are you here looking for the living Jesus? The Christ is risen. And through his resurrection, he resurrected the relationship between God and man. Redemption's power now exploding like dynamite into his children's hands. Dominion delivered back to its decadence of delight. Stewardship restored to self-sacrifice. Love laid out on liars, lunatics, and lusters. Work brought back to its former luster. Marriage a union now signifying Christ in his church and music. Oh, the music. Singing soliloquies of majesty, angels can't even begin to fathom. I can only imagine amazing grace, how deep the Father's love. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. I have decided your praise will ever be on my lips, higher than the mountains that I face. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Hallelujah, you have won the victory. Hallelujah, you have won it all for me. And as the scriptures were fulfilled, as Jesus ascended out of you, he promises that he's preparing a place for me and for you. But the craziest part of his story is that God was only beginning, continuing. He promised restoration to everything. He started by giving it to the living that he foreknew. But the one on the throne promises that the heavens and earth will be made new. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill, a lamp that should never be covered, wind inside the sails. The question of will, my friends, is only whether or not you'll surrender yours. Your will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done, Lord, in our hearts as it is in heaven. Your will be done, Lord, in our lives as as it is in heaven. Your will be done, Lord, in crossroads today as it is in heaven.
Let's give God a hand. He is worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. Let's get on our feet. Praise Jesus this morning. Come on. That was powerful. That was powerful. Thank you, Scott. Amazing. Amazing. with us. You can be seated, please. The beauty of our beautiful mess colliding with Jesus is that we are no longer 
the slave to the life, to the fear that once plagued us, we are now on this side of what we never thought could be a reality. And I love the truth that Scott was proclaiming in the songs that we can sing here at Crosswells. Good morning, church. You alive? You no longer, yeah. It's, you know, it's funny. I've heard so many people over the last couple of weeks say, I'm so glad I'm saved from. And I said, do you know that you're not only saved from, but you're saved for. You're saved for a purpose, something that wasn't a reality before we meet Jesus. Isn't it amazing we can no longer talk about the past, the junk life that we once lived? We could talk only what's true about us because of Christ. So just good stuff this morning. So thanks, Scott, for bringing that again. And, you know, uh, Scott is a part of an incredible ministry called the Philadelphia Project. And we'll see a snapshot here in a little bit. But I'd love if you would just, just tag him afterwards and let him share his heart, you know, his heart with the ministry that he's a part of. And so we're just really excited that he's here. Um, for those of you who are brand new with us this morning, you're here, you're, you're in your seat, not just to take up space, but you're here for a purpose. And you may not believe that right now, but we believe it. And so we're just encouraged that you're here. So if you would do us a favor and stop on the way out to the Welcome Center, we'd love to give you something to say we think you're pretty fantastic. And so if you are brand new with us, we'd love if you'd stop and just connect with us and tell us how you came here. Um, for the rest, we encourage you just to pass those friendship folders and just let us know you're here and... You know, again, those, those friendship folders are not just a, a check. You have names and lives, and we want to know how we can better serve you here at Crossroads, so we'd appreciate if you could do that. Um, Canopy Kids is still looking for more volunteers, and I love this invitation. Who wants to be invited to a party? I know I do, and there is a party happening below us. I think we even got some of our fifth and sixth graders maybe in the service here, but we're just excited about what God's doing, and so we'd love if you would consider serving and influencing lives down in Canopy Kids. Uh, I was driving yesterday on 88, and I had the huff of inconvenience when I turned my windshield wipers on. And I looked at my wife, and I said, oh, this rain. And I, my wife, so lovingly, giving the truth right back at me, said, babe, this is the minuscule amount of Hurricane Harvey that we received. And, of course, it clicked in my head, and you had that moment of, we are experiencing, you know, this yesterday and a little bit this morning about the, you know, the rain that we've kind of leftovers from Hurricane Harvey, and many of us have been burdened by the devastation, which truly is a lack of better words. And so for those of you who are going, how can I help join this effort, we just ask that you would just write on a, on a check, or if you want to give it to us directly, obviously put it in the box, but we want to, we have a fund that we're putting together through uh, Gleaning for the World. We have a partner with them, and they are... Uh, providing uh, money and funds to the efforts in, in Texas. And so um, if that's something that's been on your heart, just come talk to staff or um, if you want to write that on a, on a check or in, in offering, just note to uh, her, or Harvey Relief. Harvey Relief is what we'll know, and we'll put that towards that fund. But um, it truly is a lack of better words to say than to say it was. It, they're just people are devastated. Some people are sitting in two inches of rain, and then three houses down they're sitting in 16 inches of rain. Lives that have been ruined, that have been devastated. And so we want to join that. Um, and some of you have been kind of feeling that, that the heartbeat, the strings have been pulled. And, and if you are wanting to go down there, uh, we want to field those ideas too. So please come talk to us about that. I mean, I think we're all kind of feeling that. So just uh, let us know kind of what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And we'd love to, to, to serve you and get you connected to those efforts. So um, as I uh, ask the ushers to come forward, I'm going to pray. And uh, today has been deemed... Um, by our president, the National Day of Prayer for Hurricane Harvey. And so we're going to have a moment of silence. And I would ask that um, you just pray. A lot of you maybe have connections, uh, but just pray.
people are feeling hopeless, feeling fear. And so we want to pray for them that they would encounter the only hope, the only joy, the only life, which is in Jesus. So let's pray. God, as we sit here in silence, we think of our brothers and sisters in Texas feeling fearful, feeling no hope. And so we just think about them right now. Father, we come before you knowing that our brothers and sisters are truly wrestling, wrestling for something to hold on to, sitting in water. Many of their Worldly possessions have been destroyed. And we know that the greatest efforts that our country can provide, even over the course of months and many years, God, will never, never truly heal what has happened. God, it's easy to just say, we should lean on God. We should lean on you. But for so many people right now, we know that's just not making sense. They're questioning why. Many of us here are wondering, how do these things happen? Why do these things happen? Father, we come before you, the God of the universe, who has created us and saw us in the sin that we were living and sent Jesus on the greatest rescue mission ever. To save us not just from our sins, but to save us for a purpose. To bring you glory and honor on this earth. Father, I pray that hope would come through a water bottle to our brothers and sisters in Texas. That hope and life would come through a warm blanket that life would come through people who are burdened from our country to drive down there and to serve, to put up walls, to bring warm food. God, you work in all of those areas. And so we give now, God, out of a heart of sacrifice and out of a humble heart, knowing you give us so much and we give back to you, God, now, knowing that you will use these monies, this, these finances, God, this this temporary security agent for so many people, God, you will use this to do something powerful and something we will never see the true ripple effects of. And we give to that, God, right now, in the precious and powerful and life-saving power of Jesus Christ. Amen. If there's an open way just run While everything else fades And turns to dust 
Thank you, Scott, for being here today. Scott was with the Philadelphia Project, and as you can see, they take teams of youth groups into, into Philadelphia, and they, they are the hands and feet of Jesus, and they, they, uh, they are bringing people to Jesus. Aren't you excited to be a church that partners with people who are bringing people to Jesus? Let's give our God a hand this morning. Amen? And, and then this morning, we are going to continue our Ephesus tour, and I've asked uh, our dear friend, uh, Pastor Josh Watts, to be with us this morning. Uh, just a few weeks ago, actually all summer, we've been talking about his ordination, and so, you know, Josh was on staff here at one point. For those of you that don't know Pastor Josh Watts, 
He was on staff here at the church. He was our youth pastor. He grew up here in the church. His dad and mother are Pastor Jim and Debbie Watts. Can we give them a hand? Wonderful people serving the Lord here at the church. And uh, so, so Josh, you know, we licensed him. He was here. He was a youth pastor. He's running ministries. He's marrying people. He's burying people. He can do it all. And he says, I want to be ordained. I said, well, you've got all, you're already doing it. So we went up, and we had about 125 people come to his ordination council. I had the privilege to moderate it. And uh, uh, there were like 19 pastors that signed off and said, hey, this kid is the real deal. And I'm so proud. My name's the first one on the list to sign off on his ordination. So uh, I'm, I'm very proud. We have, uh, we have a, an incredible, you know, our church is about disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. So Jim's, Jim Watts made a disciple out of me. And God allowed me to be a part of the discipleship process of Josh's life. And now Josh is out, and he's making disciples. And uh, we're just excited about what or wherever God's going to take him. And so would you welcome this morning the Reverend Josh Watts, all right? Thanks. Thanks. Good morning. It's good to be here. Um, I was getting up for my ordination, like, right before it, and... There's this guy that came back from the mission field, Ph.D. in theology and the New Testament, Dr. Steve Wilkinson. And our pastor up there, before Kenny, Kenny would have never done this, but he, he's like, oh, Dr. Wilkinson, you know, Ph.D. in New Testament. Why don't you sit on the council? Which means he can now ask me questions. And so I was sweating. So I, I was up there trying to answer. He asked questions. I, didn't even, I, don't know, I still don't know the answer, what he wanted to hear. But it was enough to get a passing grade. So I just looked at my brother-in-law, and he'd give me a nod, like, close enough, like, <laughs> horseshoes, baby, let's do it. Uh, good to be here, my family, thanks for coming, I'm glad you're here at Crossroads, what a cool place to be, an awesome church family, if you're visiting first time, you've got to stick around here, let me just say that. Um, I grew up here my whole life, loved it here, now I've been up in Newcastle, and uh, we're loving life up there too, so... I have six kids and um, an awesome wife, and um, God's just been blessing us. I left here with four. People were confused, like, I thought you had four and five, and we're at six, and we're done. Praise the Lord. Um, and um, someone told us, you have your hands full. Like, we don't know that. Like, <laughs> come to my house sometime, my goodness. Um, so, anyways, uh, we're in the book of, Ephes- or the book of Ephesians, we're doing a book tour, go to chapter 4, verse 25, you can turn there, or if you're part of the new school wave, you can click there on your device, um, and that's where we're going to be, and um, I, I entitled tonight, today's message just like a clothing swap, because we're going to be in like the fashion district here in Ephesus, checking out some things, some like clothes we need to put on and put off for the Christian life, and I feel like I'm a pretty pretty good expert on fashion, and so um, I feel called to be here today for that. Here's a picture of me um, last week. We did an event called Muckfest, and um, I wore all white. It's a, mud, it's a mud games night. It's a food fight night. I believe, Luke, you've been a part of some of these, and so, yes. Um, and so I wore all white just to challenge the students, like, bring it on. Um, you know, and uh, they did, and I, I lost that. And so, um, anyways, um, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of. Are you a big fan of like Christian T-shirts, Christianese stuff, 
She says, yeah, she's smiling. See, I'm, I'm not, because that means you've got to like, always be your good self. You've got to always be, you know what I mean? It's like you don't tell everyone you're a pastor the first time you meet them. You, know, you, you want to just be normal around them. Um, and so I don't wear, like, here's one here. This is on Facebook all the time. It's annoying, but it's funny. It's Jesus witnessing to superheroes, right? And he's like, well, this is how I saved the world. Um, talking with Thor and with the Hulk. Um, and so here's, uh, I, I love these. Does anyone here have the, act, does anyone have active faith where anyone here be honest enough to say? No one? Cool, my kind of crowd. All right. Um, this guy, first off, I feel like if you're going to represent Jesus in the gym, you better look like my man here. I mean, bulging biceps, shoulder muscles. I mean, if your belly is bulging and you're working out, should you really wear a Jesus shirt that says you have active faith and that, like, God is a part of your physique? Like, is that a good thing? I don't think I would wear that shirt to a gym. Um, And so this is just funny. Anyone here grew up with me, the original Nintendo? All right. You youngins, this is the, the people that have created the Wii, right, and the Switch. Uh, let Jesus be your player one. That's cute. Wouldn't wear it. Um, and then there's this one, all right. Shout out to Scott and his crew. Um, this is a guy named Doc Hero. He is a rap artist, Christian uh, guy out in Philly. Uh, students, I see some students are at the mix. You, might, you remember him? This is from the mix. This is a, re- a retreat that Caleb, the youth pastor here, myself and another church, pulled off together uh, la- the last two Februaries, and we're, we're praying and planning to do it in March, hopefully, of 2018. And so God is dope. Again, I don't think it would be work for me to wear a hoodie like that. Um, I'm just not cool enough. And then here's, this is cool. I wanted you all to see this. I don't know if you got to see this, but... These are uh, Scott and some of his guys speaking to students last year at the mix. Some of, your, some of you parents, your kids are in these pictures. There's another one too. And uh, they're just giving their testimony. They step down off the stage, put the mics down. No, like, no, none of the fancy poetry and music, but just being real and saying, this is who we are. And what they wanted the students to know is, listen, it's not just some performance up on stage. We're not cool because we can get up here and you know, and do something that's pretty amazing. But we're up here because Jesus is cool, because God is dope, and um, he's amazing, and he's worth talking about, and it's the real deal. That whole seminar was built around them talking to, to your students and mine and just saying, listen, this thing is for real. I, I don't just wear this sweatshirt. I believe this about God. He's why I sing about, rap about, do poetry about. It's real. And wanted your students and mine just to know that. And so, um, it's, I just wanted you to see that, like just, um, it's exciting stuff, appreciate Scott. My youth ministry, we've taken groups out four times and have had amazing opportunities. That video you saw was actually just one week. They make one of those every single week with the students that are there. And so all the activity and excitement you saw there was one week of students coming to serve Jesus to serve those in need, to serve kids and old ladies um, and grandmas that just need help on their house. It's a wonderful, wonderful ministry. So I appreciate Scott's ministry and his friendship and and God's abilities and talents he's given him. And so we're going to look at Ephesians 4, 25 through 5, verse 2, hopefully, today. Get as far as we can. So let's read there and then I'll pray and we'll get started. 
Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to worship. And God, we just invite your spirit here. We know he's here among us, Lord. We thank you for that. But we just invite him to work in our lives, to speak to us, speak to me, God. We pray that as your word goes out, that it is powerful, that it touches our lives, changes us, Lord, draws us closer to you. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who makes all this possible. We pray in his name. Amen. So uh, I told the first service this morning, my, my boys, uh, we stayed at my parents' house last night because they're a lot closer. And, uh, and so my, my boys wanted to come with Pappy, Pastor Jim, this morning. And so they woke up at 3.30 in the morning to come to church with Pappy. And, um, and so uh, my wife, they woke us up and we're like, go to bed. Like, you know, I woke my son up at 6 to get ready. And he, he still he had his church shirt on already still. He fell asleep. Like, he's in his underwear and a church shirt. And uh, I'm like, all right, get your pants on. Let's go. So we... I had the opportunity this morning because they wanted to go with Pappy and, um, and so I was up and I, I got to get them ready. Um, Shannon was sleeping and that's like, I'm not, I never do that. So don't think that's like, I'm, I'm terrible at that, but I had the opportunity today. It was great. Uh, and so my boys, we got, we got them dressed, right? We got their hair done and uh, I used hairspray instead of something else. I got, I got told I, I did the wrong thing, but I'm still not sure what I did wrong. Um, but I saw them earlier. Their hair looked pretty good. So, yeah. Uh, but um, we had Lucky Charms. Any Lucky Charms people and fans in the house? Come on. That's right. My kind of people here. That's right. Amen. Um, whole grain, right? Uh, and so we got them ready and uh, got their hair fixed and just got them all prepared. It was awesome. Um, really, as a dad, you know, he prayed for, prayed for two sons and God gave us two sons. And... Um, Talcott and Joha, and so got them ready, and pa- Pappy was ready at like 6.30, and they were out the door, and, um, and so it was a neat opportunity for me, getting them ready to come to church, getting get them ready to be with God's people, and to come and learn, and it's something I don't normally get to do, and this, this passage, that's what we have here, we have our Heavenly Father, chapter 5, verse 1 says, uh, just encapsulating this, this whole story, it says, be imitators of God as beloved children. And think of this story, or think of this passage as we look at it as your heavenly father trying to get you prepared for the day. Saying, okay, all right, you're in my family now. Let me get you, let me get you looking the way I want you to look today. Let me get you to say the things that I want you to say today. I want to get you prepared for what I have for you today. Like a loving father 
or mother getting their kid ready in the morning. That's the attitude we have here. That's the stance we have is God saying, I want you to imitate me. That's the standard. My people, my family, that's what we've celebrated today. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer dead in our sin, but we're alive in Jesus. And the Spirit of God has given us new life. And now Paul is saying, this is what it looks like to activate this. And this is why this is so important. God says that he loves us all throughout the Bible. But that wasn't enough for God. God decided long ago, before he even created us, that he was going to demonstrate his love. God teaches us this valuable principle that love has to be demonstrated. It's not enough just to say it. We have to put action to it, put feet to it. We have to show transformation. We have to show the the cost we're willing to pay to, to show love. It's important. It was important enough for God to send his son to tell all of us without a doubt for the rest of eternity how much he loves us that he sent his son as a costly sacrifice so that we could be forgiven. God has proven without a doubt, once and for all, he loves us. And he has literally done everything and anything he could to make that crystal clear through Jesus on the cross. Amen? And so here's what he says here in this passage. This is the crux of it. My beloved children, I want you to live like me. I want you to go out into the world with one another as a church family. And I want you to show that kind of love with each other. And I want you to display that love to the world. So when people see my church, they see my family. And ultimately, they get a picture of me. Go imitate me. And that's the the heartbeat of this passage. And so what we're going to see is we're going to be called to lean away from some things and to lean into some things. Take off the old, put on the new. Kenny got us, kind of shared the vision in the heart of that last week. And that's just what Paul does in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. He just starts to set this up. But where we're going right now is Paul's getting down to like where the rubber meets the road. Like in your family when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're, when you're like your boss is on you at work or when, when, when things are, when it, the real life, that Paul's addressing real life stuff here, okay? So um, it's simple stuff we're going to look at, but like any good father, God, God now through Paul is saying, okay, my children, I want to deal with some just everyday issues. I want to I give you a, a, a way of handling real life as part of my family. And so here we go, Ephesians 4.25. He starts off, we could say, my family is going to put away falsehood. We're going to take off falsehood, and we are going to speak the truth with our neighbors. The idea here is that we would just put away the, the lies and the scheming and the deception that is, we know who the father of lies is. God says, my family is nothing like the father of lies. We don't scheme, we don't deceive, but falsehood, we, we speak the truth. And we learn in Ephesians 4.15 that one of the keys to the church of God being built up is when we speak the truth in love with one another. Don't forget that. You could circle that word with in your Bibles because that, that, that denotes like mutuality. Like it's not just you speaking truth, but it's, it's in conversation. It's in relationship with people. You speaking truth and love to them, them speaking truth and love to you. This is done mutually in relationship. And then he gives us this motivation. Why do we do that? Because we're members one of, an, of another. The idea there is that we're members of one body. 
right? Think about your, your physical body, right? Imagine like your, lies, your, your toes trying to tell lies to your eyes. Imagine the, 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 the humor, right? Get your phones out. If, if my body did that trying to walk down these steps, if my feet want to lie to my eyes, or my eyes want to lie to my feet, right, or my hands, imagine your body telling itself lies. You, it would be a disaster. And so God says, listen, church, you're all interconnected. I know it doesn't always look that way. It doesn't always feel that way, but you are. You're in my family one body so my son has done to bring us together and so therefore act like it we have to speak truth to one another one of the key things i think for us is we got to fight the urge to kind of keep it fake you know what i mean you know you come to church i mean i'm a pastor i get it trust me we come we got our six kids you should see us at home some sunday mornings but we make it to church and we got smiles on our face you know what i'm talking about you might have been there this morning right you know what that you know what i mean like when it's real. Um, and so we got to fight that urge. We got to fight. We have to, we got we to gotta lean into each other. We got to be able to say, hey, because Jesus is my Savior and he died for all of my mess, then I can just be myself. I don't have to play games with Pastor Ken. I, that's one of the things that Ken and I, we've been able to have a, a, a great relationship for like 30 years now is because it's always just been real. When he was my youth pastor, he kept it real. I saw him and Rhonda in New York City when we were tired. I saw them fight a little bit. But you know what? I saw them apologize. I saw them show love to one another. I, I got to see everything in him. And it just showed me, you know what? This is real. It's real. And, uh, and so that, 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 he provided that. And I'm glad you guys have a lead pastor like that who will be real with you. And I, don't you appreciate it about his ministry and his, his way he leads? His, yeah. So I would encourage you to follow that example. Um, and, and, you know, Luke talked about life groups kicking off. Man, jump into those. If you're not in a life group, do it. It's difficult for me. It's been difficult to join a life group as a pastor. Um, at, at the church we're at now, but last year we just we're, we just felt like God was saying, "Hey, we, you, I want you to do this," and so we did. And for my wife and I, it's been such a blessing. We joined a group. We got to walk through a family that had a miscarriage, um, and now they're pregnant again. And so we've been through the ups and downs of that, and we're, we're just praying that we can celebrate that. So we're doing real life with people. People have big job situations. Um, that they're facing. We're being able to pray together and just, just be our honest, true selves. And so I want to challenge you to just um, pursue that. God says that's what my family does. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27, he moves into something that I don't know about you, but I need to hear. He talks about how to deal with anger, right? So the, the point one of God's family is my family speaks truthfully. And the point here with anger is my family deals with anger quickly. And you could say appropriately, right? God teaches us that the, the mandate on anger is be slow to anger, right? Now, every one of us probably struggle with that. If you're alive, right, you struggle like me. Well, I'm quick to anger, but you know what? God isn't. And he's our heavenly father. He says, listen, I'm slow to anger. You be slow to anger. And I deal with anger appropriately. And, I, and so he's ch- calling us. He knows us. He says, I want you to deal with anger quickly. And what I love about this is Paul is saying here, he's recognizing, I understand you're going to struggle with anger. Just like take a deep breath. Like life is frustrating. And Paul is just keeping it real again and saying, listen, I know we're going to struggle with anger on a day-to-day basis. 
We're going to struggle with the words that we're going to want to say to people. We're going to struggle with the actions we want to take against people. And so Paul says, I want to address this because it's so important for God's family to deal with anger appropriately. So God says, I want you to deal with it quickly. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. All right? It's figurative there, but it's telling us the essence is deal with it quickly. I, I, know, I know a lot of families. I know Ken taught us this. I still remember. He, he said, Rhonda and I, we never go to, if we're, we, don't, we don't want to ever go to bed angry. I don't know if you still do that or not, but it's good. I hope you do. It's great. Uh, but he, he challenged us to just take that very literally there. Deal with anger quickly. A couple things that I find difficult when it comes to anger. Number one is often we talk about anger like it's out of our control. We don't take ownership of it. She makes me so mad. He, he this, this situation makes me angry. And we put ourselves as a victim. We, we put ourselves uh, out of control of the situation. We're just responding to it the only way we can. And that's a dangerous way to think about anger. It's not what the Bible teaches. Um, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly all the time how to express anger, but it does tell us one thing. You've got to expel it. You've got to get rid of it. It'll destroy you. The next verse says, don't give any opportunity to the devil. It's tied to this, this, this verse on anger. It's saying that if you don't deal with anger correctly, you are giving a space in your life for the devil to do work in your family, in your, I mean, you're talking about your life, your family, your relationships, everybody that you love. If Please understand the, the weight of this. If you don't deal with anger correctly, you are giving opportunity for evil to have its way to the people that you love most. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been part of a family where you've seen anger. You've seen the destruction and the, and the heavy price that it, it, it can, the damage it causes, right? You've seen people that haven't talked to each other in decades because of what was done in anger. Um... And so Paul says, don't do that. Romans twelve nineteen gives us the opposite of that. It says, listen, nev- it says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but give room for the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine. God says, you don't need to be angry and fight for your rights. You don't need to be angry. Listen, Jesus won all the rights you ever needed on the cross. It's all been won for you. You don't need to ever stand up and fight for your rights anymore. He did it. It's done. He's your defender. You don't need to be your own defender anymore. You don't need to avenge yourself. So here's the thing. When it comes to anger, the Bible teaches two things. Number one, you either give room for the devil to work or you either give room for God to work. I just want to challenge you. If you could create a room in your house, think about your physical house or apartment or whatever, your parents' house. If you could create a space in there for God to work or for evil, what would you choose? See, Paul makes it so crystal clear for us. Be careful how you deal with anger, okay? Moving on. Verse 28. This is easy stuff here, right? Let the thief no longer steal. I don't think anyone needed to know that truth this morning. But if you did, stop stealing, please. Okay? Please. All right. I'll make sure I have my phone on me in case one of you's out there. Um, but rather, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. We laugh, but we struggle with it, right? It's so easy to cut corners. It's so easy to... Um, to, to steal maybe even in small ways. With, with uh, so much that's out there in technology, with music and movies and things with the internet where you can just grab things for free. Um, there's, there's, there's modern ways that we kind of gloss over, but we need to be careful. The Bible says, I want you to do honest work with your own hands so that you can have something to share with anyone in need. This is like, the I think, the ultimate picture here in Ephesians of what 
of what the saving power of Jesus can do. Think about it. The thief, the thief who takes what's not theirs to be their own becomes the philanthropist who works hard with these hands to give to those in need. What an amazing picture of what God can do in someone's life. And so today, I don't know what motivates you to go out and work hard today, but Paul says here, for God's family, we go and work hard to provide for our families. That's, that's a biblical mandate, but to give to those in need. That needs to be one of the driving motivators when we get up on Monday to go to work. Some of you, you might have some overtime coming. You might, you might have a big sale. And just at the right time, when Hurricane Harvey devastates the country, God has blessed you so that you can generously bless and give to others. Don't miss that opportunity where God might be using you to be generous to someone else. And the, remember, we're imitating our Heavenly Father, who is the, gener- the most generous giver there is. Right? He paid the cost, the price of sending His Son to die for us. I mean, heaven is a free gift, but it costs God everything to provide it. It cost Him His Son so God is the one to say, hey, remember me. Remember your heavenly father. Remember how generous I am. Remember how much I've given you. And then let that motivate you to go out and work hard so that you can provide for your family and then provide for those in need. Our church family, and I know Crossroads is good at this, wants to be a place where you can come and, 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 and help someone in need. And if you're in need, where your church family can come around you. That's a great thing about a life group, right? Like my, our friends... Our friends that went through um, a, a miscarriage, we were able to come around them in need. We were able to bless them. I, some of the people would take meals over there for a while. We are just loving up on them in their time of need, trying to be generous because God's been generous to us. Last, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Again, Point noted, this is the second time Paul's addressing our mouth. Our mouths are so dangerous, right? You read James chapter 1, or you read James, you find out that the mouth is so, so dangerous, so powerful, right? God spoke the world into existence with his words, and so our our words are powerful. So we need to speak gracefully. The idea here is that we say things that build people up. We say things that will stir up um, God goodness and 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 godliness in people's lives so much of our words are used to um to build our confidence so much of the words that we use on a day-to-day basis are to get people to do tasks for us so much of our words are so that people will think more highly of us god says i want here's the mandate when you speak it is to build other people up not yourself the word there for corrupting talk is like evil talk. It, it, it includes like, you know, being abusive language, malicious gossip. But it, but it really is this idea of like tearing down. Like don't, don't tear down when you speak. You either tear down or you build up. God's family builds up. Because that's when God speaks, that's what he does. He builds up. He's building up his church. We see that in Ephesians, that Christ is the cornerstone. We see that the Holy Spirit is building us up into a holy temple for the Lord. 
And so we are to build up. And the idea, going into verse 30, we don't have much time though, but the verse, verse 30 tells us that when we tear people down, we are grieving the Holy Spirit of God. So again, just like with anger, there's a lot more on the line with how you deal with anger than maybe we think about. We think of anger as only like hurting people. And, and same thing with here. We think of our words when they're destructive. They're like, hey, don't say that. You're going to hurt that person. But Paul takes it deeper here. He says, when you speak this way to people, you're hurting the spirit of God who's living inside you and living inside other believers. And he's trying to grow them up. You're tearing down what the spirit of God is trying to build up in someone. Don't fight against the one who is your seal of redemption and is this promise of the inheritance that God's going to finish the work of salvation in you. Don't, don't sin against the one who's, who's building you up, holding you together and growing you into Christ's likeness. Why would you do that with your words? When we speak negatively and cause division in the church and our families, Paul says you're going directly against the Spirit of God, so be careful with your words. They don't, they don't just hurt people. They hurt the work that God is doing in people's lives. The Spirit of God who loves you and is growing you. And so, as we kind of come to an end, this is our Heavenly Father saying, this is how my church family should interact with one another in relationship. Ephesians 4.32, this is like my, our family's verse. My kids, we say it all the time. Every time they fight, I'll look at him and say, you, you know the verse, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I felt like a proud parent when my daughter got baptized uh, recently. That was her verse. Like, <laughs> she, she often has to say it to a sibling, so um, if you can put two and two together. Um, but uh, so th- this verse, she has it memorized. I'll just say that. And so um, here's the idea of this. Paul ends all this by saying, be willing to forgive one another. What is he saying? He's saying we're going to screw this up. God's family's not perfect. We're going to screw up with anger. We're, we're going to miss the mark. We're going to miss the mark with our words. We're, not, we're, not, we're going to miss the mark when it comes to working hard and being generous. We're going to struggle with things like greed. We're not perfect, but we're going to, we're going to keep striving to be the family that God desires us to be. But we realize that as a family, we've we got to be willing to forgive one another. We can't, ever, we can't ever hold things against one another. God's forgiven us of everything. And so as we fall short, I mean, that, this is the key to keeping a marriage together. A marriage is never going to stay together because you nail all this. Let me just tell you something. Your spouse is never going to nail all this, ever, until eternity. But God will never stop working in your spouse to produce this righteousness in them. And you don't ever stop forgiving. The moment you stop there, things start falling apart. The moment you stop there, this, it brings division to the church. It brings division with your kids. Just don't stop forgiving because the Bible says God's mercies are new every day. This is what we're called to do, God. This church, this is, we're called to put on these things. But there's this spirit of forgiveness that when we fall short, that we own up to it. We, we apologize. We make it right. And we offer forgiveness to one another. That's what a family does. Let me just say something. If you're here and you're not part of the family of God, you're, you're kind of new to church, I hope that today you're like, you feel like a little burden in your heart, like, man, I want to be a part of a family like that. 
I want to be a part of a family where anger is dealt with appropriately and words aren't tearing people down and we can speak the truth in love and we can be generous with one another. I've always wanted a family like that. Well, let me just tell you that today God's calling out to you and saying, I want you in my family. You may have been a thief. You may struggle with anger. I love you anyways and I died for that so that you could be forgiven and be in my family. And today, if you're part of the family of God already, I pray that you, you, you hear a stirring, you feel God tugging on your heart, God's spirit saying, hey, I want you to put this on. You haven't been putting this on. Your words and, or, or your anger, I, you've not been put, you've not looked like me in this area and I'm calling you out. I hope you hear your father's voice today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. We just pray, God, that we would hear your voice today, God. We need to hear from you. Lord, for the one that feels far from you today and is, doesn't, doesn't know you, God, I pray that they hear from you that you love them and that you died for them and that you want them in your family. And they might come talk to Pastor Ken or, or, or Pastor Luke or one of the pastors here and just say, hey, I want to be part of this family. I need this. I need to be with people that are generous. I need to be with people whose lives have been changed. I need to know there's hope out there. Lord, for those who just need to be known, they, they, they don't, maybe have been coming here and just not really connected, not really living in relationship, Lord, that you would just call them to maybe join a life group and just lean in a little bit, to start serving somewhere. But God, most of all, we just thank you for that we can be in your family, that you're our dad in heaven. God, thank you that despite all these things that we struggle with stealing and anger in our words, that you call us your beloved children in the end of the verse you say you're my despite all that you're my beloved children God we worship you we thank you you're a good God we want to be like you we want to imitate you because there's no one better we've never seen anyone do it greater or better than you you are awesome high and lifted up no one like you God thank you that we can be in your family it is the greatest honor we have in this world to be known as yours. Thank you, Jesus. Covenant of old, your love is enduring. 